We must be a people of prayer, and it has been a constant prayer of mine that uh, as students, you would in your time here continue to grow in your lives of prayer, and that as you spend time here and uh, encounter the community here, that when you're done, you might be able to say that you've learned to pray at your time at the university and because of being here. Or if you've come already formed in certain ways from households or communities or uh, youth uh, groups and things, that you would be able to say, I've grown in prayer or I've become more intimate in prayer or I've expanded my understanding of a life of prayer. The readings remind us today that we must be a people of prayer. That ultimately it is prayer that helps us become who we really are. At times we grow up in certain ways that our parents pass on to us or uh, uh, we're passed on prayer. And it sort of you know, feels like some great burden or we think this stuff is not for me. Or we try it and we think this doesn't work. Why would I do this? Think about growing up uh, at 732 West 8th Street in Sioux Falls, and every Sunday at 3 p.m., we were, uh, my parents prayed the rosary in my house. They didn't force us to come, but if you were inside the yard, you had to come in, whether your last name was Rutten or not. Those rosaries didn't mean much to me. As we were doing them, I always thought, when is my rosary going to turn gold? Then I'll get holy. We prayed before meals. We prayed a family prayer. My parents taught me to pray. But if I'm honest, it didn't really mean anything. It didn't do anything. There was no fruit. Didn't seem like something that made sense to me. And eventually, over time, it sort of went by its wayside. But there were times when uh, getting into college, I, like you, maybe experience now in the freedom of your own lives, you're provoked in ways that you need help. And maybe you, in the quiet of your own room, in your bed when it's dark, and your roommate maybe won't hear, you speak to him and you ask him from the depths of your heart for what it is that you need. One of the challenges that I see as I grew up was that I sort of had an idea of prayer and it was very limited. And so in our time, we must expand our understanding of what it means to pray. And we see in the reading from St. Paul today that he is reminding us we must pray. He says, first of all, ask that supplications, prayers, petitions, thanksgivings, be offered for everyone. Right? That God isn't uh, the divine slot machine just waiting for us to put a coin in so that he can give us something out. And if that's our idea of prayer, we will be disappointed. But God is someone who desires us to know him and to love him and to serve him in this world. And as we look at those expanded ideas of prayer, it would require a conference or retreat, which will be offered this year, the Father's House Retreat. I encourage all of us to take advantage of that, that we can grow in our lives of intimacy and prayer. But if we take a look at the first one, supplications, right? This uh, Preparing for this homily, I had to really even be honest with myself. I'm like, okay, I don't even know what supplications are. I mean, think to yourself, if you were to tell someone, call home your parents after Mass and say, this is what supplications are, what would you say? So I looked it up. An act of asking or begging for something 
earnestly and humbly. And instantly, I recognized in our gospel today, what is it that the steward doesn't want to do? I am ashamed to beg. And how difficult it is to be in circumstances in which we must beg. Right? We like to pray from what it is that we want. We like to pray and be in dialogue with God for what we want. But how about when it's something that we actually deeply need? But it's easy to not go there, to not touch on that deep need. Because if we do, do we believe that it'll be met? And it's easier to just pretend I don't have this deep longing for friendship. Or I don't want to acknowledge that I don't feel like I belong anywhere. I don't want to deal with this deep wound that I have. And then we ask for other things from God, or maybe we even stop asking from God instead of asking in that way. But when we see, it's a begging, but it's also done in humility. And that's such an important thing, and it reminded me of all my days. None of my prayers were in humility. All of my prayers were in greatness. God, give me more. I'm doing really well. Help me more here. No humility. Right? What is humility? Humility isn't being a doormat. Humility is being the one you are in the eyes of God. But see, we have to want to be the one who God wants us to be. And we can have all our ideas about where it is we're going and what it is we're doing. And all the days I went inside Patterson Hall and prayed that God would give us a building with air conditioning. Now you guys should go into the business school, the Beacom School, and give thanks to God for air conditioning. Right? But never did it cross my mind when I crossed those doors to say, God, what's my vocation? God, what do you want from me? See, I already came here with an idea of where I was going, what I was doing. It never occurred to me to say, Lord, do you want me to be married? Do you want me to be single? Do you want me to be religious? Do you want me to be a priest? See, I didn't want to go there. I didn't want humility. I didn't want what God wanted for me. I already had what I wanted. I just wanted to pray and have him give me what I wanted. Which was a great career, a beautiful wife, a large family, moving to my parents' home that I grew up in at 732 West State Street. And I was going to make an addition because I figured I'd have one more kid than they did. Ten sounded better than nine. (laughs) I can't tell you how many times I thought about that in my head going to bed at night. Literally, I even know where I'm going to build the addition onto the house. All of that was lacking humility. In your years here at the university, one of the most important things you can do is ask God what he wants for your life. And ask him for the humility to want that. And when you know what it is that he wants for your life, then you will see a different disposition before prayer. When I decided to go to the seminary, I had spent a year and a half finally getting my bills paid. I was in great debt. I made tons and tons and tons of money. I didn't realize, though, that if you spend tons and tons and tons and tons of money, that means you're in debt. I did a lot of work to make that disappear and got everything taken care of but student loans. And I went to the seminary. And when I was there, I had no source of revenue. 
My aunt used to send me a check for $10 every month. And it was like gold. I started experiencing true need and the humility to not go demand what I wanted, but to pray from that place and say, Lord, if it's your will, let it be done. I needed tennis shoes, of all things. Interesting, when your spirit starts getting better, your body starts getting better, and I wanted to take care of myself and didn't have very nice tennis shoes. My shoes were really old. I was having feet problems. And I was talking to my sister, Christy, and she said, well, every time I have a need, I just take an envelope. I write what it is that I feel like I need on it. And then I just pray. And if God wants to answer it, he fills up the envelope. Oh, come on. I didn't listen to my sister But a couple of days later, I went down to the mailbox at the seminary and I opened up the mailbox and there were some envelopes in there. And I opened the first one up and it was an envelope from my sister. And in it was a check for $20. And a little note that said, here's for your tennis shoes. And all of a sudden, this eagerness arose in me to write on the envelope, tennis shoes. $20. And the next envelope that I opened up was from my sister, Catherine. And she says, I heard that our sister just sent you some goodies, a different sister. Remember, there's nine. (laughs) So I decided to just send you the money I would have spent on ingredients and shipping. I heard you were in need of new shoes. And suddenly I had another $50. And I opened up the next envelope and it was from a man who didn't know my needs, but he had sent me $20. And I went back to my room so aware that God hears my supplications. He knows my needs and he wants to answer them. And as I was sitting in my dorm room that's even smaller than your guys' dorm rooms, I thought to myself, oh, that check from Aunt Mary for $10. See, I had stopped taking them to the bank to cash them. I put that one away and I was going to save them up because it was so complicated to go there because I had to get a new account and I didn't have First National Bank out there and Uh, So I went and I was like, oh, now I got $100. I could definitely get new tennis shoes. And I eagerly opened up the drawer and I pulled out the check and I opened up the envelope and I put it on the desk to add up to $100. And there was a note inside her envelope that I never read when she sent it. And it said, you know, I decided this month to just give you a whole year's worth at once. The check was for $120. And so, I have new tennis shoes. And while those shoes are no longer around, the mornings that by God's grace I've been able to get out of my bed at 5.40 on a Friday... 
I have a little reminder that God answers our needs. Because these were what I bought with the extra hundred dollars. Supplications. To pray from what we really need. But to pray in humility for what God wants for our life. And then we start seeing him rain down graces in answer to our prayers. Prayers that required me to put another little note on this envelope. How about at Christmas I need a new computer? (laughs) Just in case my memory gets to me, the Knights of Columbus didn't know my prayer, but they provided it. And then one day, a friend of mine came to my door and knocked and said, Hey, do you want to go to Rome with me? Within one week, I had enough for a ticket of $1,200. My friend's envelope doesn't contain what it is that I ask from God anymore. And he hears our prayers. But it must be done in a way in which we let him be the one who produces in us a need he really wants to answer for us. And in humility, we say, God, I'll do whatever it is that you want from my life. And then we become instruments of his. And then we fulfill what it is that the readings remind us, that suddenly we realize that he didn't just give me these things that I might grow in getting what I need, but he gave me these graces that I might be an instrument for other people to get what they need. And I pray that God gives you faith. I pray that God gives you lives of prayer. I pray that he gives you intimacy with his son. I pray that he helps you know that you are loved and cared for. I pray that he helps give you friendships that help you find him. I don't know if he'll answer those things. I need you to tell me. But when I go to bed at night, I have a little book. And I write down the ways in which you have shared with me what God has done for you. So that I might know that he answers the prayers of my priesthood too. If you know God answers your prayers, I hope you've started praying for many more.